now two things are clear to us. We know those who are challenged by setting their clocks forward. And we may meet a few more of them as we get close to the 1030 hour of last week's time. And we also know the ones who have made plans ahead and can afford to travel because there are many of them who are out there and resting and recreating together with their families and friends during this time. And that's great. It's a great thing to be able to do. But we are here and the season of Lent has begun. That's why we're in robes this, this week and why we'll remain in robes until after Easter. As a sign and as a season that we're in and as our commitment to celebrate Lent in its entirety. We began that last Wednesday with our Ash Wednesday service where many turned out to enjoy our first evening worship service for that occasion in a long time. When the season of Lent begins, it's one of those kind of things that we don't always yearn to come because Lent brings the kind of words to our mind and to our thoughts that somehow can make us ill at ease. Words like self-denial, self-examination, repentance, renewed commitment. Forty days, that's what we observe. Remember, the Sundays don't count. They're all a little Easter. So you don't have to be repenting this morning yet. And yet, Jesus was 40 days in the wilderness without food, without sustenance. And the Spirit drove him there, according to this Gospel of Matthew, in order that he might be tested. And the devil was more than willing to tempt him. You see, that's the difference between testing and tempting. It's a difference of perspective. The devil calls it temptation and hopes to wind you in it so that you can be defeated. Jesus calls it temptation or opportunity in order for us to prove who we really are. It's a moment in life when we're tested that we can show we are stronger than temptation. And you love those moments, right? You're like the children, aren't you? You hear the little boy? You can, you can withstand it. No, no, I'm going to eat the bread. You know, after 40 days, he's going to eat. I can't stand that temptation. You know what? That wouldn't be so bad coming from a young man's lips if it didn't kind of paraphrase the society in which we have mostly been raised. We have been raised, many of us, in a society that really believes we can't resist much temptation today. They love to tell everybody how human they are. You know, after all, I'm just a sinner. If I had a nickel for every time I've heard that in my life, I could now retire. And I could be doing this for free. Wouldn't y'all like that? You'd like that, right? Okay, maybe I wouldn't do it for free. But the reality is, we live in a time and age where we do believe that humanity is so frail that we're just almost overwhelmed by every temptation that comes along. And that excuse of giving in to temptation, we carry right in our hip pocket. Well, I'm just a human anyway. Well, you know, Jesus was a human too. Interesting thing. I know, fully human. I know, fully divine. But in this temptation, he was fully human or else it means nothing. And according to the rest of the scriptures in the New Testament, it meant something. It meant that Jesus truly was the Son of God. Because he never, ever gave in to temptation. Now, there's many things to learn about this, and I'm not going to bring them all to your mind today. You'll be glad for that. But on this day, as we are beginning our 40 days, more or less in the first week of it, 
The scriptures takes us to a place where Jesus is ending his 40 days. Coincidence? I don't think so, not really. I think it's more intentional in the scriptures than it is coincidence. There's nothing like knowing where you're headed at the beginning when you're headed toward a tough, tough task. And temptation is a tough task. Let's don't pass over that or gloss over it. Nobody enjoys temptation. Nobody enjoys when the waves or look like they're going to overtake you. Nobody loves to struggle. Anybody here want to sign up for a year struggle? Not a volunteer in the house. Do you know where the greatest blessings in life come? The greatest blessings on earth. You know where they come from? They are born out of struggle. Let me ask you again. Anybody want to sign up for a year struggle? Thank you. I got one taker. One taker out of the whole blessed congregation. Really? Are we so afraid of struggle that we just lie down? Yeah, we battle our own. We much more like the prosperity gospel, don't we? You know the one that says we're going to be blessed because we believe and everything's going to be rosy? You can turn them on several channels on the TV. And yes, I am talking about all of them today. I am. Everybody who believes that the gospel is primarily a gospel of prosperity and success, a feel-good kind of theology, let me just tell you, Jesus didn't know anything about that when he was in the wilderness for 40 days. Jesus didn't know anything about that when he told Peter to get behind me, Satan. Jesus didn't know anything about that when he was in the garden. He was praying so hard. Sweat drops were poured out like blood. That was struggle. Jesus didn't know anything about this prosperity gospel when he chose a gospel of sacrifice and service to his God when he stuck out his hands and was nailed to that tree. And he said, if you want to be my follower, take up your cross. I know it's a tough picture. I know that we're not always at our best. And yet Jesus calls from us our best. Because you see, Jesus has more confidence in you than you have in yourself. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing to me because I'm pretty confident about Doug. <laughs> That's my big brother amen in me there. There are a lot of people who are confident about themselves in every way except spiritually. What's that about? Why would that be that way? Why would people be so confident about earning money, saving for retirement, raising their children? All of those things. They just feel so confident about themselves. And yet when it comes to church, they're super gnats. They have no strength. They're so tiny in faith that they, they can't even... Wade in a stream, much less in an ocean. Any wave that comes along rocks them off their boat. We don't want to be those kind of Christians. And we don't want to be those kind of Christians who have to depend upon the things of this world to cause us to have faith. Along the way in these 30 plus years, I've met many people who've lost their faith because earthly things did not go right for them. Which means that they've simply never had a faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Because you see, faith in Jesus Christ is not about earthly things. It's about a person who saved you 
for eternity. It's about heavenly things. And if you have to have a God who delivers you from every trouble and trial on earth, if you have to have a God who can turn your failure into success magically without your effort, then you're not really worshiping God. You are worshiping someone who can give you the stuff you want. And that is not biblical worship. I know some of you are thinking of sermons you have heard from others that say just the opposite of that. I can't help it if those people are wrong. <laughs> and I say that not all that humbly. The scripture is clear. Life has to be overcome, and it has to be overcome with the power of Jesus. We are not strong enough ourselves to do it. We get that. But God is strong enough to guide us through those ways. Okay, let's get to the text so we can go home, all right? Y'all ready for lunch? Let's begin to look at our Lenten journey and think about it in terms of this story. Because, you see, right after Jesus was baptized, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. So that he could be tested. Don't be misinterpreting this. Tested is not the same as being tempted. Tempted is an attempt to get you to do wrong. Tested is an opportunity for, to prove that you have faith and you will do right. It's a different thing. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness because he knew he was going to be severely tested there by the one who wanted to tempt him. And he knew that when he passed that test of the temptation, Jesus would know even more fully who he was, the very Son of God. And what his task was, to save the world by sacrificing himself. That is an obvious and early conclusion that comes out of this text. It is also obvious to us as we think about that, that the lure of temptation is powerful for us all. Who cannot sympathize with Jesus? Who would have blamed Jesus for taking the bread after 40 days? I mean, if one of us had been there, we would have probably said, thank goodness the fast is over. Bread at last. You know? We would have figured a way to make that work into the whole test thing, right? But not Jesus. He recognized the temptation for what it was. And he recognized who was tempting him. And that's a key thing in life. To recognize the difference between temptation and test, we have to recognize from whom it's coming. If we don't recognize that, we have little chance of resisting the one who's tempting us. But it is only in the truth. This is a powerful statement. You know, I, I read it out of a book and I stole it, so I'm just going to share it with you. This kind of conflict and struggle, our deepest passions and loyalties are revealed. So when we say we are a child of God, a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to know that's not going to be proven in the years to most people. Whenever you're doing great, success is at your fingertips, you're rolling in the dough, your kids are acting special, everything is great, your dogs are not barking at night, everything going on in your life is perfect, it's beautiful. People are looking at you going, man, I wish I was that way. Look at what all they got. And we think, yep, I'm a blessed guy, I'm a blessed woman, God certainly must love me. Because things are going great and God is blessing me. And there's nothing wrong with thanking God for your blessings, don't get me wrong. But every one of us, every one of us, do you get that? That means that every one of you and me are going to come to the time in our life when the most noticeable thing about us is that we are surrounded by the temptations of life and struggling to persevere. And that is when your loyalties 
is going to show. That is when your passionately, your passionate love for God is going to be present, or obviously it's not going to be. It's not going to be necessarily when the world is looking. Because the one who likes to tempt you knows that you're at your best when you think people are watching. It's when you think no one's watching that the tempter's going to come. And the tempter's probably not going to come in areas where you're strong. You know, the devil has never tried to tempt me with alcohol. You know why? Because I don't like it. It's not because I'm some kind of saint. Can you imagine what I'd be like if I liked alcohol like I like chicken fried steak? <laughs> so I never thought that it was a great deal for me to say no to alcohol because I don't like the smell, I don't like the taste. And I know the line, you've got to drink more of it so you like it. Never made any sense to me, I'm sorry. For all you who enjoy the taste of alcohol, I'm just glad you cultivated that taste or you had it or whatever. But here's the thing. Where Satan's going to tempt you is not going to be in that area where it's not a temptation for you. The devil's going to tempt you in the area where you're weak. That's where the devil's going to come because the devil's no idiot. He'll be proven to be a fool in the end, but right now he's no idiot. I know some of you are thinking, you really believe, sound like you believe in the devil. See what it says here. <laughs> then the devil took him into the holy city. Yeah, I guess I do. I guess I do believe in the devil. And so just check it if some of you say, oh, you don't really believe the devil's a person. Oh, I really believe Jesus is a person. And Jesus said the devil was a person. I believe Jesus. I believe, yeah, I'm okay with that. I believe in the devil. I'm not really afraid of the devil, don't get me wrong. And I don't see demons under every bush. And if I did, I really wouldn't be all that worried about it because I know the one is with me and he's stronger than he that is in the world. So therefore, if we are believers in that and we claim to be believers in that, we tell people we're Christian and then we bow down to every temptation that comes our way, what does that make us? Bad examples. That's what that makes us. That's what makes people say the church is filled with hypocrites. Well, they may be right to some degree. We're all a little hypocritical on one level or another. But the reality is we need to be stronger. We need to exercise our faith more. We need to be more hard-headed about giving up on our marriage. We need to be more hard-headed about doing what everybody else in high school is doing because we're there with them and we don't want to be called names by them. We need to be more hard-headed than our neighbors down the street who are watching us drive to church every week. We need to start slowing down and waving to them, rolling down the window and say, we're going to church. Instead of trying to look the other way so that we won't think we're pious. No, just let them know where you're going, for goodness sake. In fact, why don't you stop one Sunday when they're out, when you're coming home, and tell them what a great time you had in church. If it wasn't true, we'll just go ahead and make up something. <laughs> and then invite them to go back with you next week. God will forgive you for that kind of little stray. Because you're not doing it for lying purposes. You're doing it because you knew you should have enjoyed it when you were there. <laughs> and you're also doing it because you know it will help them. Maybe overcome their temptation. They'll show up. So just do it. Let's look at these three temptations. Are you hungry? How about some bread? Turn that rock into... Throw that stone into bread and eat some. Nope. You know, you don't live by bread alone. Well, why don't you throw yourself off the temple and call upon God to save you, and he'll send his angels to do it. Why don't you depend on God's power to be flashy, and then you'll know that you really are the son of God. And Jesus said, nope, not going to test God like that. And then the third one, he says, I'll give you all this power. That's what you want anyway, really, right? You want to be 
rule of the world, I'll give it to you. All you have to do is fall down and worship me. Wow. The means to the end evidently do make a difference. Especially when the means to those ends are contradictory to the word of God. But you see, Jesus again said, no, he wasn't going to do that either. Because he's going to worship only the Lord his God. That's why I've selected our book title. God's at War is what we're going to be studying. And it's all about overcoming the idols in our lives. Because really, the basic sin of life and our greatest obstacle to living the Christian life and really having a living journey is we never recognize what we really are worshiping. Most of us, if I asked you, do you have any idols you're worshiping? You'd say no. And then I'd go down the list. You know what I'd say? I'd say, how many hours do you work on your job to make money? How much money do you put aside for retirement? How much time do you spend with your children? How many times a day do you pray? How much money do you give to the work of God's kingdom? Here's a funny little thing. I was doing some math last night late while I was trying to decide exactly what I was going to say, which I never decided until I'm up here anyway. You all know that by now already. Here's the thing. Bishop called upon 10,000 United Methodists to pass one meal a week. And we'll raise somewhere around six hundred dollars to $700,000 according to how expensive we reuse the meal that we choose. Now, a lot of people are going to choose a snack and just put in a dollar a week. I know that. They're going to fast a snack, right? Can you imagine what you can do every year with six or $700,000 in two tribes? That seems powerful, doesn't it? I applaud the bishop's vision. I think it's a great idea. And I'm sure every one of you signed a card, or if you're not, surely you will after this, because you're not going to be worshiping idols, right? <laughs> there are a lot more cards available that haven't been signed yet. Just remind me, y'all, y'all can find them outside or in your bulletin. I wouldn't want you to miss out on the chance to do this. Let me give you another little fact. You know there are around 150,000 United Methodists in this conference? 150,000. The bishop called, huh? That's roughly, I was back in an old journal. What if a third of those people, 50,000, this kept me awake a while last night, gave $5 a week? That would be $1 million every four weeks. That would be $13 million in a year. Almost about what probably is even more than the whole budget of the annual conference. It would be more than that to run the whole annual conference. Now, let me ask you another question. How important is $5 to you? I thought about burning up a $5 bill in front of you now, but I thought, well, I might need that $5 for something. And I was afraid the fire alarm would go off. But let's face it, what does $5 mean to you? A Coke? French fries? $5 is nothing, right? Is there anybody here who, nah, but I say, yeah, $5 really is not much. If you say it really is, then I want you to bring to me next week everything you can buy for $5. And I have all of that junk you buy at the dollar store. Not much of it you'll actually use. $5 is almost nothing in this country. $5 a week times 50,000 United Methodists in this conference could give $13 million a year to stop hunger around the world. $13 million, and you would never miss that $5 bill from week to week. You would never miss it. Even if you didn't fast a meal, you wouldn't miss it. 
And that leaves two-thirds of us not giving a penny of it. Why would I even set out something like two-thirds? That's pretty strong. The bishop only asked for 10000 How many do you think he'll give? How many of you have already signed a card? Don't raise your hand. It would be embarrassing to the folks that are behind me. But I know some of you have. So if you've been resting on that point, I'm going to give you another one. Just thinking about that. You know, I worry about hunger, and then I'm worried about the time right now. Throw down yourself, and God will save you. I'm tired of people blaming God for everything bad that happens in the world and saying they don't do it because God would really save them if God were really God. No, God wouldn't. There's sin in this world, and it's because of us that there's sin in this world. And there's a penalty to be paid because of sin. And God simply has chosen that way to honor our love for him. And God is not going to undo all our foolishness. He will forgive us for it, but he's not going to stop all the consequences. And examples of it are all around us. Don't get me wrong. We just baptized my grandchild. I'm already praying for her to be smart and make good decisions. I hope she never crawls in the car with a boy because she's about 40. <laughs> but if she does, I hope that boy fully capable and paying attention, not just to her, but to the road. I hope that that boy is a good driver. Because if he's not, and he survives and she doesn't, who won't survive long? Because Sally will just beat him up. <laughs> you know, you can't make your children, you can't protect them even though you pray for them. We're not going to give up on that, but we're also going to know that things happen in this world. brave enough to tell yourself and no one else what that biggest idol is today. Some of you are worshiping the college education for your children. You're giving up everything on this earth, including your time, until you're funding your college plan. Some of you are worshiping your job. Some of you worshiping your children and you're giving them everything in the world whether it's good for them or not you're overdoing it because you can it is so easy to inappropriately worship so many things in this world I hope during this Lenten journey that we're taking together these 40 days that you'll identify your idols so that you can repent of them and follow the one you truly believe in. But before I quit, I want to say one more thing about temptation. And I want you to listen. Temptation is not stronger than your God. We can resist when we want to. Not because we're strong, but because God is strong. Temptation is never stronger than God. Now, if you're living a life without God, you hadn't got a chance. You will be overcome by the world. And I'm so sad to watch it happen. Because it doesn't have to happen to anybody. The only thing sadder than a person without Christ who's being overcome by temptation are Christians who have Christ and are not taking advantage of the grace that he's offered. That's even sadder. We can overcome our temptations. 
it's been a long time since I had donuts. Now, I love donuts, and they're sinful. They're particularly sinful for me because when I eat one, well, I want the second one. And when I eat the second one, I realize I really wanted the sweet roll. And when I get through eating the sweet roll, I really knew I wanted a dozen. And if I didn't even want them, the lady at the thing just gives them to me, being sweet to me, and she's really killing me. So she's wondering, now, what happened to my preacher? He's not here. It's been two weeks. It's because every morning I go by, I say, God will see you. Because if I go in there to get a sausage and biscuit, I'll never win. I'll just lose. That's the only sin I'm going to tell you about, because that's the only one I really have. If I had others, they might be sign I want to tell you about. What's yours? Are you going to have a season of Lent? Are you going to go on the journey? A lot of people don't even know what Lent is, but we're going to learn if we don't already know what Lent is. It's time to examine ourselves. It's time to deny ourselves. It is time to turn away from those things that are not of God and to turn to those things that express our commitment to God.